Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's clap our hands to Jesus together. Come on, has God been good to you? Better than you've been to yourself? Better than you deserve? Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Robbins, for um, asking us to be here. And, you know, I'll say this. It, it's been a... It's been a hectic weekend. It's been a hectic few weeks. But with that being said, stopping by Cedar Grove is, to me, not, uh, it doesn't add to the, to the uh, busyness of it. It's almost like a reprieve at this point because we got a little something going on. Amen. Praise God. So we feel very at home here, and and I appreciate your pastor and first lady, and I honor her and them, and it's so great to make her acquaintance this past Friday night and um, honor her and, of course, your pastor and this great church. Aren't you glad that you have a great church here that you can plug into? <laughs> My Lord, thank you, Jesus. And you can feel the undercurrent of, of revival here and expectation. And uh, I thank God for that. I thank God for that. If you have your Bible tonight and you would like to follow me to the word of the Lord, I would like to direct your attention to the book of Jeremiah 33 and verse number 3. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Robbins has already said it, but I'll just kind of dovetail on to what he said. If you're here tonight and you need the Holy Ghost, God's in the business of filling people with the Holy Ghost. And if you want it, there is no reason you can't get it tonight. God wants you to have it. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, God wants to remit your sins out of your life, and you need to make sure that that is accomplished in your life. Amen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go another day without making that active and accomplished in me. So those things, they're available to us here. The Bible said in Jeremiah 20, 33 in verse number 3, <clears throat> Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I want to talk to you for uh, just a little bit here tonight. On this subject, I want to talk about the art of crying out, the art of crying out, and I pray that God would help us here. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again and ask him to have his way in the remainder of this service. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you again, and we thank you for the, every word that's been spoken, every song that's been sang. God, our spirits have been lifted up to you 
and praise. And I pray that now in this part of the service that you would help us, God, as we lean on your anointing and your grace to help us to be effective, reach out. I pray and touch hearts and lives and individuals in this place, dear God, feel somebody with your spirit. Let somebody's life be changed. Let chains and shackles be broken in Jesus' name. Let deliverance be delivered in this place. And we thank you for it, O oh God. We praise you in advance for it in Jesus' name. And before you seated, would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing with us. I suppose most kids, when they get of age and understand um, the concept, and even before they understand the concept in some cases, but most kids like to draw color, whether it's on your wall or on a notebook or a coloring book or canvas, it seems like there's just a something that, uh, that appeals to the nature of children. And as we do as parents, it could be something that they say, this is what it is. And you look at it and you can't see what they're saying that it is but you trust them in their imagination and their perception of that thing. And uh, you will brag on them and tell them what a great job that is and that is a masterpiece drawing and just make over them and as we do. But with that being said, art can be a a weird thing and I'm no expert in art by any stretch but in my mind and perception I have always thought and still do that to be able to look at something whether it's a mountain range or sunset or an individual for that matter and look at that and then take your skill and translate that to a canvas to where it's so accurate and it's so vivid and it is almost just like in some ways a photograph on a canvas except painted by an individual. In my estimation, I've always thought that is talent. And that's art. But I guess everybody don't think like that. We have, in our travels, we have tried to take advantage of being in certain places. And boys were younger. We always tried to find out if there was a <clears throat> decent museum in the area. And we'd take them to museums. And, and we've been to some 
guess you could say, probably some of the most famous museums in the nation and pass by some of those canvases that somebody has painted that they say you can't put a value on. And I've seen paintings in museums that they say you can't get close to and you can't touch and it's invaluable. And I've looked at it and thought, I don't know what they see in there. I've looked at it and thought, you know, I think I could do better in the dark with my eyes closed than that. I don't see where skill comes into that. I don't see where talent comes into that. For somebody, for somebody, they view that as valuable. History tells us that the most popular time for art would probably be, at least in that sect, would be the Renaissance period. Renaissance period was from 1400s to the early 1700s. And there were renowned artists like Da Vinci and Raphael. And some of the most famous paintings in the world were painted during that time in the Renaissance period. The Mona Lisa, the Last Supper, and on and on you could go. But in that period of time, it was there that, that, that they began to learn um, how to translate depth how to translate angles and make things more than just one dimension, but make them three-dimensional. And so as this came into to practice through the Renaissance period, um, they called this time frame and this art realism because this is where art began to look real. It didn't look like uh, stick men and so on, but it looked like you could see the light shining right and you could see the angles and you could see the depth and, and the colors and the shades and it all came together and it looked real and this time of art was called realism. They made it real. And then and then in the mid-1800s, art took a turn. And they tell us that this is when Impressionist art began. Now, Impressionist art is a little different than what they would call real or realism. It still had that element of realism, but at the same time, Impressionist art was taking what, how to translate as real, but at the same time, put it on a canvas through your eyes and highlighting something that you saw, putting it there from your perspective, Impressionist art. Norman Rockwell was a famous Impressionist. And uh, he, he would paint all these pictures on the, what was it, the Saturday evening or morning post or something like that. And he had all these famous pictures and now they're on plates and cups everywhere. And, and it, was, it was real, but he's also highlighting more than just a picture, but a, but a time and what was going on in a society. It was his impression of what was happening. So there, he made it, not just real, but 
But people like him made it personal. They made it personal. Then, then art took another turn, they tell us, in the early 1900s. And it wasn't just real and it wasn't just impressionism, but it became expression. And this is when it kind of got to start to be a little weird. Because now they know how to do the angles and the depth and the perception. They know how to make it real. But now they begin to attempt to put their emotions into it. And they wanted to somehow, when you looked at that picture, not just see, but they wanted you to feel at the same time. And so there was one particular piece of expression, abstract art by a man that was painted in 1955. It sold in 2017 for over $300 million. He said it was a woman sitting on a chair. I can't tell that. But to those who are supposed to be up and know what talent is, you're supposed to be able to see that and to recognize that. My point is, through the main three stages of art, here's where they've been. Make it real. Make it personal and make it passionate. Not just translate something, but make it real. Put your perspective on it. Make it personal through your eyes and then put some emotion in it and put some passion in it and put some feeling into it. If I could glean from that perspective and just say, you know, I don't think that's too far off base from when it comes to crying out to God and getting God's attention. I think it's still good to take those three elements and incorporate it into our call when we call on the Lord. When you call on the Lord, if I could say there is an art to calling or to crying out. And when you cry out to God, I think, first of all, you have to make it real. It can't be just going through the motions. It can't be just cookie cutter. It can't be just do it because it's what somebody else did. When you call out to God, you got to come to him and say, Lord, I'm not just playing games here, Lord. I mean business, and this is real. Amen. You've got to make it real. And then when you come to God and cry out to God, you also have to make it personal to God, and you have to tell God through 
through your eyes and from your perspective, this is where you are and this is what you're dealing with. You can't go to God from somebody else's standpoint and you can't go to God through somebody else's eyes. You got to come to God and make it real and then you got to make it personal and you got to say, Lord, it's me and this is where I am and this is what I'm facing and this is what I need you to do. And before you're done, brother, you got to put some emotion into it and you got to put some feeling and some passion into it. If you need a healing, you got to let him know, I need a healing, God. If you need deliverance, you got to let him know, I need your delivering touch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, David used, David used, if I may say this, the art of crying out in some fashion. David would many times come to God that's represented in some of the Psalms that he wrote. And, and you know, he, he wouldn't just say, uh, Lord, I, uh, uh, I'm doing bad. So anything you could do. Help me be much appreciated. David used used some expression to get God's attention. He used poetry. He used a song. He used, and I'm not saying we have to do it like this, but I'm just saying he kind of used an art form to get God's attention. He didn't say, I'm just doing bad. Help. I'm not saying there'd be anything wrong with that. But here's how David would do it. If he needed the help of the Lord in Psalm 69 and 1, he would say, save me, O God. For the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink, he says, in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. In this song and in this call to God, he's not just saying, well, uh, I'm, I'm here and I need help. He's letting God know that this is real and this is personal. This is where he stands and he needs God's attention. He begins to, he begins to call out to God and let God know, hey, Lord, the waters are rising down here and I can't find my footing. The waters are coming over my head and he begins to sink and in his sinking he begins to call and tell the Lord I'm drowning down here and at the same time he begins to scan the shore for help and he yells for somebody on the shore to help him and time seems to be running out what are you doing hey I ain't got time to play games when my head's going underwater God it's real it's personal it's emotional and I need your help. 
Am I doing okay tonight? I'm sorry if this is not what you come for. But if you need a touch of God in your life, you can't play it like everything's okay. You can't act like everything's good. You got to say, God, it's real. I need you. It's me. It's personal. I got to have you and get emotional about it and be passionate about God working in your life. Come on, can we clap our hands to God together? Come on, can we do that with some emotion? Can we do that with some passion? Can we do that with some feeling? If you need God to save you, get emotional about it. If you want God to save your family, get emotional about it. There's an art to crying out. Hallelujah, David would go on in this same chapter. He begins to turn his trouble into trust. He said, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And I like what he says here in verse 31. He says this also, listen to this. This is pretty neat. He said, this also shall please the Lord better. There it is. Better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. He said, what I'm doing right now, crying out to God, making it real, making it personal, and making it passionate. He said, this means more to God than a thousand horns and hooves upon the altar because anybody can take the horn and the hoof and put it on the altar and just go through the motions and nothing happening. But God is saying, if it comes from your heart, what comes from the heart is better than what comes from the horn. What comes from the heart is better than what comes from the hoof. If it's in your heart and you cry, out, God, I need you. I need the Holy Ghost. I need deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The humble shall hear this and see this and be glad, and your heart shall live and seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas, and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion, and he will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The art of crying out is to make it real and to make it personal and to make it passionate. I'm not saying you got to write a poem. That's not what I'm saying. That's not my message. I'm not saying you got to write a song. That's not my message. I don't care if it's five words or 50 words. You got to make it real and you got to make it personal. And it's got to be passionate to get the attention of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here is Mark chapter 9. The Bible tells us Jesus had come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And there was a father that had brought his son to the disciples and those that were there. And finally, Jesus made his way down from the mountain. 
Jesus began to inquire of this father and his child, how long has this been going on? He said, since he was a child. And he said, in off times, boy, he's making it personal now. This is where we are. Off times, it cast him into the fire. And then it cast him into the water to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus, I've heard you can do anything. And if that's the case, if you can do anything, here's what we need the most. We need some compassion and we need some help because up to now, people's just been walking by and not pay us any attention. But if you're able to do anything, what would do us good right now is a little compassion and a little help. This is where we are and this is what we need. Hope I'm making sense here tonight. And he says this, and he said, it cast him in the fire and the water to destroy him. And this just comes to mind, and I may have said this here before, and pardon me if I have. But it's, it's kind of interesting that this father says, here's what's trying to destroy him. This spirit is putting him into the fire. And into the water to destroy him. He didn't say he's using the fire to destroy him. He didn't say it's the water that's destroying him. He said what he's trying to do to destroy him is use them both. It's the fire one day and it's the water the next. And what this spirit is doing is dragging my son from extreme to extreme. And there is nothing any more polar opposite than fire and water. They are on the both ends of the spectrum. And he said, what this spirit is doing, it's way over here one day. And then the next day it's out of the fire and it's in the water way over here. And then the next day it's pulling him back over here and he's stretching him. And it's all the way over here. And it's all the way over here. And it's all the way over here. And it's, it ain't the fire. It ain't the water. It's the back and forth. It's the in-between. It's everything together that's trying to destroy him. And, Lord, that's where we are, and that's what we're dealing with, and we need help. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here on Sunday night that could just raise your hand and say, Lord, I ain't got all the answers, but I could use some help. I could use help. That's what I need, Lord. I need you to help me. That's what I need is your help. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord here this evening? God, I love you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. It's real. It's personal. Brother, and then the Bible said the father cried out and said, 
with tears. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I don't know. There's a lot to be said about that prayer. Right or wrong, positive, whatever. But you know, the, the more I learn about God, the more I seem to believe that when it comes to God, I think God puts more of a premium on being real than he does on being right all the time. And when you come to God and you say, Lord, about this faith and believing in all things, I don't know if I'm there. Lord, I believe, but I got some unbelief. I don't know if that's the right prayer, but it was a real prayer, and it was a true prayer, and it was him. And God may say, it may not all be exactly right, but one thing you got going on, it's real, it's genuine, it's passionate, it's true. And that's going to get you more than a horn or a hoof. Something real, something personal, something passionate. You need God to touch you in this house tonight. You ain't got to have all the cliches. You don't have to know all of the Bible. You just got to be real. You just got to be genuine. You just got to be personal. And you've got to be passionate. Hallelujah. Now, hasten here. We are not the only ones that cry out. The prophets are not the only ones that cry out. People that's dealing with spirits in the Bible, moms and dads are not the only ones that cry out in the Bible. But there's no other greater example than a, the most personal example. It comes from Mark chapter 15. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is hanging between heaven and earth on Calvary's cross. And the Bible said, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, my God, my God, why hast thou? forsaken me. Oh, this is a real prayer from the man Christ Jesus. And it's not just from a God on the throne. It's from a man on the cross. And he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he's lifting up his voice as his chest is heaving upon that cross. It's real. It's personal. It's passionate. And the Bible said that he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And verse 38 lets us know something powerful happened after Jesus cried out. The Bible said, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. When you cry out and you make it real and you make it personal and you make it passionate, it's going to open doors for you. It's going to open the floodgates for you. It's going to expose you to the grace and to the mercy of God like nothing. 
when Jesus cried out and the veil was written twain, what used to hide behind the veil at the cry of Jesus, the veil was rent and mercy and grace come running out of that veil and it began to run to every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. Brother, make it real. Make it personal. Make it passionate. There's an art to crying out. Can we lift up our hands to him once again? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, could we, while your hands lifted, could you lift your voice now? Could you lift your voice with your hands? When that expression comes, it gets a little odd. It gets a little weird. But go ahead and put your feelings in it. Go ahead and put your emotions in it. Don't worry about what somebody else says. They may think you're odd. They may think you're weird. But you got to put your feeling in it. You got to put your emotions in it. Hallelujah. 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 Musicians come tonight. Can we stand together? I got, I got a little more to say, but I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I should rehearse all of this to you. Because I feel right now somebody's on the brink of just saying, I'm tired of horns and hooves. I'm ready just to open the floodgates. And say, God, I think this would mean more to you than just the horn and the hoof, than just going through the motions, just doing everything that's right with Pentecost and church and religion. God, I'm going to put that on pause for a minute, and I'm just going to come to you, and I'm going to be real with you for a little bit, and I'm going to be personal with you for a little bit, and I'm going to be passionate with you, and I'm going to get emotional for a little bit here, because if your cry can open, open open the floodgates of heaven, I believe if I cry out to God, you said that you would show me things that I know not. Hallelujah. You ever heard that term somebody says? When I get down to business. That means no more playing around, no more beating around the bush, no more going through the motions. This is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. I mean business. I think there's a call of the Lord here tonight for somebody that says I feel a tug on my spirit no more horns and hooves anybody can do that what God wants is me anybody can go buy a horn and a hoof and bring it to an altar but David said When I make it real, 
when it comes from my heart and I make it personal and I put my emotion into it, that is going to move the hand of God more than a thousand horns and a thousand hooves because anybody can do that at any given time. But when I come to God and I say, Lord, this is where I mean business right now. You're calling me to a serious and a sober moment. You are calling me to say, I'm no longer worried about what anybody else says about me. My, my cry don't have to fit into their box. And my prayer doesn't have to fit into their box. This is me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. This is me, oh God, that needs you to help me. So I'm coming to you with the art of crying out. I'm making it real tonight and I'm making it personal tonight and I'm making it passionate tonight. The Bible said when we come to God and we make our requests known unto the Lord, the Bible said we should come with prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. I think that you could put that into three things and I don't think it'd be out of context. Prayer, make your prayer real. Supplication is to make a request. This is what I need, God. You're making it personal. Thanksgiving is a form of praise. So when you praise, there's got to be some emotion and some feeling and some passion in it. So I think it. I think it's very accurate in the Scripture to say when you come to God and you cry out, make it real, make it personal, make it passionate to God, and let the Lord know I need you, God. If you can do anything, what I need you to do is to help me. I need you to touch me. I need you to feel me. I need you to heal me. I need you to touch and deliver me. Before we come to this altar, I know this is the third time I've asked you to do it, but could we lift our hands to Jesus once again? In the name of the Lord, I love you. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. God, I praise your name. I exalt your name. And I adore and worship the name of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm going to lean in on this congregation a little bit tonight. I know sometimes you're more comfortable staying at your seat. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm going to lean in on you tonight. And I'm going to say, if you really mean business with God, I think God would say, come on. I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to purposely make your way down to this altar and say this is not horns and hooves this is coming from my heart this is real oh Lord I need your help in my life I need your deliverance in my soul I need your salvation in my spirit God I need you here Jesus I need you here God come on I'm asking you now Step out of that seat and come down to this altar and lift your hands up to God and pray unto the Lord. And he said through Jeremiah, he said, if you call unto me, he said, I will hear and I will show you things that ye know not. God, 
open the doors, rent the veil, expose me to things that I didn't know existed. I'm crying out to you. I'm calling out to you, Jesus. And I need you. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, it's real. It's personal. It's passionate. Oh, Lord. It's me, oh, God. God. 